because I asked the Lord a question, which is often my conversations with him. I'm awfully not telling him what's going on. I'm just asking him questions like what in the world is going on half the time. Um, God spoke to me yesterday morning as I was driving in my truck. And he said, I am not the disruptor. Humanity is the disruptor. And I think there's such confusion a lot of times around what is God doing? What's man doing? What's Satan doing? And we get this weird theology stuff. We base it on experience. But the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. It says that he's steadfast. In fact, if you read the Psalms, he says it like the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. An entire Psalm that says the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. He's not moving and he's not shifting around. And yet we have bad theology because we try to determine who he is based on what we have experienced. So when we experience something, we then make a theology to try to make him fit. And when we do that, we get confused about what's God doing, what's man doing, and what's Satan doing. And what the Lord, again, why He always is stirring me is He wants truth in the inward part. He wants you to have an anchor, a stake that you don't move from, that you drove in the ground. See, Dave only prayed that prayer in the coffee shop because he actually believed Jesus could keep him there. Why would he pray if he didn't believe Jesus could do it? It wasn't the prayer. It wasn't what he said. It wasn't the formula. He just believed, hey, if I, if I just hang on. Jesus will come. And he did. Which is proof to Dave and to the rest of us, Jesus is transforming Dave's life. Right? He's creating things within us when we don't know that we can hang on. That we, we don't sense that we have the ability to do it. He's already done it. So the belief was the seed of faith that produced the fruit of him not leaving a shop. And like you wouldn't think, like, if, like you said, you, you could perceive that as a minor thing. Not to the Lord. I mean, not to the Lord. You can just go share that testimony and and every church across the nation, shut the door and walk out. Have faith. Because everyone's faith goes up. That's the whole point of why we're here today. We're not here today to talk about problems. Not here today to talk about the the issues. We're here today to talk about the solution. And what Earl said, obliterate works. So I asked the Lord a question. He said, I'm not the disruptor. Humanity is. You disrupt what I'm doing when you agree with hell. And that's just true across the board. So if our government agrees with hell, they're going to disrupt the governmental system. No matter at what level or any place you agree with hell, you've just disrupted God's system. Why is there sin? You disrupted God's system. Why is there sickness? You disrupted God's system. See, God isn't the one doing all these things. He's the one who established it, said, here's the straight path. Here's the narrow road. Here's the path I walk. Watch, I'll do it. Jesus comes, boom, lives his entire life. He does exactly what the Word says. and says, now I'm going to give you my Spirit, you do the same thing. And then when we're not doing the same thing, it's because God is, eh, and Satan is, eh. No, it's because humanity is agreeing with hell. So here's the question, out of that statement, I'd already been asking the Lord this question, and I had, we had church with Dave, Jordan and I, and Dave had church at work this this week, and Chris, it's like we always have church, like wherever we're at. We got church and toss it back, brother. (laughs) Thank you. And so what the Lord spoke to me a previous day, he said this. He said, Justin, if people move you, you have to adjust. If I am being moved, 
emotionally charged off of responding like Jesus, regardless of what they've done or what I've encountered, I am to be as Christ is on earth. So there's no excuse. If I get moved by other humans, adjustments needed. Like Joey shows up and just cusses me out. Okay, he's 16 years old. He's a part of the church. Should Joey ever show up in my life and cuss me out? The answer would be no. But the reality is, if he did, if I get moved by it, I need to adjust. Right. Absolutely. That's the truth of the gospel. It's the truth of the kingdom. (laughs) Jesus, when did he get moved by humanity? He walked into a scenario... And he responded in love. Maybe silence. The only thing that moved Jesus wasn't humanity's confliction with him. He got moved in the temple by his father. He didn't get moved by humanity. He got moved by the father. The solution was moved by the father. The solution was, this is a place of prayer. Get everything out that's not about prayer. Like, he wasn't about, this is not a place of selling and changing money. That would be the problem focus. Jesus went in and said, this is a house of prayer. This got to go. That's got to go. Change got to go. Table's got to go. You got to go. Whatever's not about prayer, you got to go. Because the solution is prayer. You get it? Like, but if we view Christ from a human perspective, we're like, oh, see, Jesus turned over tables. So when someone comes in my life, suddenly I justify my reactions to wrong behavior and then call it Jesus. Well, I'm righteously angry. Bull, mm, you're not. I mean, saying stuff like that, you better check your motives. I better check my motives. Like, who do I think I really am? Do I think that I'm 100% able to be righteously indignant? Probably not. Why? I've got a filter of a year's worth of prejudices that are built up inside me. So I could be 99% righteously angry, but guess what? Point one is still enough for me to need to make an adjustment. And still respond in love. And still... So Jordan and I had the craziest experience we've had probably to date. We had an individual come and, and stay. And... <laughs> It was one of those moments where I was with Dave. Like, half the time, I just wanted to, like, shut the door, run. I I didn't even know. I was like, I don't even know what to do with what I'm hearing. And the other half the time, I was like, okay, I can hear the Lord in this. Right? But it was some wild and out crazy stuff. And so, Jordan's hearing it. I'm hearing it. We're both getting moved. Meaning, kind of shutting down. Right? Because it's like, some of the things... (laughs) That this individual was saying would be what the Antichrist would say. And he's in your house. And it, and it was worse than that at times. As if you could. But at the same time, he's a human. Influenced. Half the time by the Spirit of the Lord and half the time by something demonic. So here's the Lord. You want to preach Justin? Or you want to preach grace, Justin? Time to live it. Right? Half the time this guy's talking, I want to throw up. I'm not even kidding. Like physically, physiologically, I'm just like, like stuff, stuff's coming out of his mouth. And so, no love. 
Honestly. Like, you think my heart was like, oh, I want to hug him. My heart was like, you know, like I wanted to get the big red X and just be like, warning to every believer who comes near this individual, like, he will take you down a path you don't want to go down. So the Lord just kept him there, kept him there. And I've got brothers in the Lord that I'm talking to. And, uh, you know, they just were encouraging me. They're like, Justin, lean in. You want to run, but you need to lean in. And they're, they're all familiar with the fact that I, I preach grace. I'm about grace. And they're like, you got, you got to live this revelation. And I, I did. I just, I leaned in. I was like, Lord, I'm going to keep being what you need me to be. And all of a sudden, it was the night after the, we had a night with them and a whole, I had a whole day riding with them in a vehicle. And that night, he's sitting at the table and he's saying some things that are just wilding out. And all of a sudden, my heart broke for him. Real love. Just, just the smallest inkling of like, he's a broken little boy. That's what it was. It was like, just for a second, it was just like, and I felt, it wasn't like, I'm going to manufacture love. It was when Christ said like he was moved with compassion and he raised the boy from the dead. I felt it. It was like, and I knew it was the Lord. And uh, in that instant, not before, but in that instant, I could speak straight truth into that individual's life. And not of the lies and the heresies and the things that were coming out of his mouth. I spoke into them through love. He received everything I said. So I go to work the next day. I show up the next night. Every red flag that I would have like been like 15 yard penalty, 50, you know, like 15 yard spiritual penalty. Like you can't say what you've been saying, you know, every single one of those things. We sat on the couch and we went to dinner. He repented of every one of them. He said, the Lord took me to first Chronicles 17 and he showed me this. The Lord took me to Esther today and he showed me this. He said, this isn't who I am. And then he's sitting on the couch and here, here's the danger of the charismatic church. The charismatic church has many good things. But one of the things their, their direction does is it sows old, it sows new skin onto old wineskins. And here's how it does it. It sows in the shadows from the old covenant. And weird stuff starts to happen. Like, I'm a David in the kingdom. I'm a Samuel in the kingdom. I'm a Elijah in the kingdom. I am a this. And what you're seeing is they're totally missing the point. You are a mini Christ. You're not called to be King David. You're called to be as Jesus is on planet Earth. You're not called to be a Samuel. You're called to be as Jesus is on planet Earth. Like, so what they do is they weave that stuff together and those threads, they're actually sewing new wineskin onto old wineskin and it causes bursting. Jesus wants none of those threads in our lives. They're a shadow of what we were to become, right? And so my, my statement with the Lord, he said, he said, if you get moved by humanity, you need to adjust. And I was moved, Jordan was moved, and the Lord was like, you have to adjust. And some of the adjustment wasn't like works. It's not like, hey, I'm going to do this formula and I'll be okay. It was like, I'll just sit at this table ready to throw up and wanting to run out of the room until you do something. Right? I mean, it was literally, I just believed that God could work through the situation. And he did. Then the, the person brings up the fact, all these things and repents of all of them. I mean, I literally wish I had a, a video record or tape recorded the conversation in my truck on the way to Maribel. I was like, my mind was being blown. The things, 
He flat out is just repenting of, sits on my couch that night after dinner. Because here's the danger of the charismatic thing with the Spirit. Many people have been prayed over to be baptized in the Spirit and have no clue how it connects to Jesus. This man, in 2015, gets baptized in the Spirit and has been listening to the Spirit since then. And the Spirit tells him anything and everything and all kind of crazy, whacked out stuff. And God is still big enough to still go in and speak truth amidst the chaos and confusion of the Spirit. And it picked up on it right away because he said, well, the Spirit says and it says. And I went, ooh. What? It? They talk about Holy Spirit like he's devoid of Christ. Right? So I'm like processing like, Lord, I don't know how to bring this up. This guy's my elder, you know, and all these things. So we're sitting there and he goes, well, the day before that, I just kept going back to the blood. Like he's talking about wilding out stuff. And I'm like, it's the blood, man. It's Jesus. It's the blood. It's Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, he looked, and he finally we're riding in the truck and he goes, you know what? I'm not going to focus on my call anymore. I just want to know Jesus. Yeah. It's like, okay, we're going somewhere, right? Like the Lord is at work. Like the natural man doesn't say that. The natural man's not like, I want to know Jesus, right? So that next night, now I'm like, how do we get through the, the spirit stuff? And we go in and he sits down on the couch and looks at me after all this that he's repented of. And he goes, you know, Justin, I'm really trying to figure out Christ. How does Jesus work in the mix with the spirit and the father? I said, so much makes sense now, right? But see what I'm saying? Here's a guy who's nobody's ever come around him to actually love on him. That when he just, oh, the spirit, I'm baptized in the Spirit, and the Spirit says, and the Spirit says, and the Spirit says. And he can say that to probably 90% of people in the church because they don't have the word written in their heart. And when he's talking, they're just like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And yet he comes to, and I'm just like, no, no. The Spirit wouldn't say that. The Spirit? Jesus? Spirit of Jesus? So, man, I just started, and I just, and I was just talking to him like, boom, boom, boom. And he received a hundred percent of what I said. Amen. Not one moment of pride was like, oh, oh, no, 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 no. I, I've already figured that out. I'm talking to the point the demonic had him convinced that he was Christ by the Spirit. And so Christ fills all of me. I am a mini Jesus, meaning a testifying manifestation of the life of Jesus through Justin, but so is everybody else who believes. Which makes me no bigger, no higher, no lower. I'm, we're all, here we are, the body of Christ together. And so huge moment for Jordan and I because the Lord said, I don't want you moved by humanity. So I'll put someone in your path that will shake you up, but I'll bring you out on the other side, fill you with love, fill you with transformation. So I asked the Lord, this this is where the question came in. I said, God, why has none of the prophets had a clue what's going on this year? It's not a question. I'm just like, I'm not afraid to ask Jesus, right? I'm just like, Jesus, everyone runs their mouth, including me. We're all a bunch of talking heads. Why Why doesn't anybody know what's going on? And he said, 
Read Jeremiah 23. I said, okay. So Jeremiah 23 is a passage. Obviously, the Israelites were going to go into judgment. They were going to go into Babylon. Jeremiah's already told everybody they're going to go into Babylon. Verse 5, he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. So that's a prophecy of Jesus. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. I know this is Christ and I know this is literal, but I also believe this is prophetic. This is to be right now. Why? I'm one with Jesus. The Lord is righteous. What am I called? I'm called the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So this isn't for a future, only a future time. I believe this is, a, this is a prophetic word saying justice and righteousness are to rule in the land because you are as the Lord is on planet earth. You're the righteousness. And so we need to begin to rule and to reign with scepters of righteousness. Right? Okay. He says, uh, therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they will no longer say, as the Lord lives, who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But they will say, as the Lord lives, who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them, then they shall dwell in their own land. 1967 Mm -hmm. or 1948, 1967 concerning the prophets. By the way, who is supposed to prophesy in the body of Christ? Everyone. Moses even said it. Remember Moses is out there and they get hit by the Holy Spirit and they begin to prophesy. And then one of the dudes is back in, in the camp in Israel and he gets hit by the Spirit and he's prophesying. And they come back and they're like, Moses, Azerbaijan over there. He, I don't remember the guy's name. He was prophesying when you guys were out in the country. And Moses is like, would that all God's people prophesied. He even got it back then, right? So how much more when we who all carry the spirit of Christ should prophesy, should know what's going on, should pay attention and speak the word of the Lord. So here's what he says concerning the prophets. My heart is broken within me. All my bones shake. I'm like a drunken man, like a man overcome by wine because of the Lord and because of his holy words. For the land is full of adulterers because of the curse the land mourns and the pastures of the wilderness are dried up. Their course is evil and their mind, their might is not right. Both prophet and priest are ungodly. Even in my house, I have found their evil, declares the Lord. Therefore, their way shall be to them like slippery paths in the darkness into which they shall be driven and fall. I will bring disaster upon them in the year of their punishment, declares the Lord. In the prophets of Samaria, I saw an unsavory thing. They prophesied by Baal and led my people Israel astray. But in the prophets of Jerusalem, I have seen a horrible thing. (laughs) It's worse. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen the hands of the evildoers so that no one turns from his evil. All of them have become like Sodom to me and its inhabitants like Gomorrah. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the host concerning the prophets. Behold, I will feed them with bitter food and give them poisoned water to drink. For from the prophets of Jerusalem, ungodliness has gone out into all the land. Thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. 
filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come upon you. For who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and to hear his word? Or who has paid attention to his word and listened? Behold, the storm of the Lord. Wrath has gone forth, whirling tempest, and will burst upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intents of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand it clearly. I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to the people. And they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I've dreamed, I've dreamed. How long shall there be lies in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart, who think to take my people, forget my name by their dreams, that they will tell one another, even as their fathers forgot my name for Baal. Let the prophets who has a dream tell the dream, but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, declares the Lord, is not my word like fire. He'll burn it both like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who steal my words from one another. Behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who use their tongues and declare, declares the Lord. Behold, I am against those who prophesy lying dreams, declares the Lord, and who tell them and lead my people astray by their lies and their recklessness when I did not send them or charge them. So they do not profit this people at all, declares the Lord. When one of this people or a prophet or a priest asks you, what is the burden of the Lord? You shall say to them, you are the burden and I will cast you off, declares the Lord. As for the prophet, priest or one of the people who says the burden of the Lord, I will punish that man and his household. Thus shall you say everyone to his neighbor and everyone to his brother. What has the Lord answered or what has the Lord spoken? But the burden of the Lord you shall not mention and you shall mention no more for the burden is every man's own word and you pervert the words of the living God the Lord of hosts, our God. Thus you shall say to the prophet, what has the Lord answered you? And what has the Lord spoken? But if you say the burden of the Lord, thus says the Lord, because you have said these words, the burden of the Lord, I will sen- I, when I sent you saying, you shall not say the burden of the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will surely lift you up and cast you away from my presence, you and the city that I gave to you and your fathers. And I'll bring upon you everlasting reproach and perpetual shame, which shall not be forgotten. And you're like, woo! See you mix some grace in there. <laughs> so here, here's where I think the, th- the whole thing started for me. And Chris, you, you hit it nail on your head. And I just felt the Holy Spirit was like, ask Chris what he needs to share today. Because you, you started it out today exactly where I felt like where the Lord was taking this from. Number one, it's free. It's a free gift. Anything it quote unquote costs you is actually liberating you. So it's not a cost. Everything you're losing is actually gain, you're gaining. 
You lose an idol, you gain intimacy, freedom, right? So it's, it, it doesn't cost my flesh. Like we, we, we picture that. Oh, I have to let go of bad friends. No, you're getting liberated from things that are going to destroy you. So, so the free gift of God, right, which is the salvation that we get, it creates a home. That was the tie. Like knowing Jesus is being home. What was the intention of the prophets? Why did, even, why did the Lord raise up prophets in Israel? So the people would know the Lord. They would know the Lord. That was the whole purpose. Prophecy, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 19, the spirit of prophecy is what? The testimony of Jesus Christ. So watch this. We think of testimony of Jesus Christ like talk about someone. So I'm on trial. I'm on the witness stand. And I'm going to give you a testimony of Jesus. Okay. Jesus came in the flesh. He was born of a virgin. He took on the entirety of human sin. And he lived a perfect life until the moment of the cross. And at the moment of the cross, the Pharisees and Sadducees and high priests condemned him to death. He was crucified on that cross. Do you get what I'm saying? So that's me testifying about Jesus. Go to the old covenant. I'm a prophet. I'm on trial. Prophet, tell me what the deal is. Here's the deal. There's a contract that exists with a perfect God who dwells in that tent. He's above the mercy seat. He's above the blood. He sits in that tent and he, dwell, he longs to dwell with you, his people. He said he would be your God and you shall be his people. But you are not following the contract. You are being warned. You don't follow the contract. You can't have a relationship with Haggai, the, the, the king of kings who's in the tent. Do you follow me? I'm testifying about his heart. He's in the tent. And now new covenant believers think that prophecy is then the same thing, but through Jesus. Meaning now here I am telling you about Jesus. I would challenge that. Let's put Jesus on the stand. I came in the flesh. I was born of a virgin. I lived a perfect life. I fulfilled everything that was in the law. I did everything according to what I heard my father say and what I saw my father do. I came to reveal my father. Do you guys understand that when Jesus made himself one with us, we testify as he testifies? Your role is not to be separate from him, trying to get people to understand him. Your role is to be as he is in the earth. And you can't be as he is in the earth if you don't get to know him. Because you don't know how he would respond or what he would react with. Or you don't know his word. If you don't know his word and it's not written in your heart, heaven help us, you're not going to repeat it when somebody cuts you off on the street. Right? If I'm not in him and I'm not with him, then how can I testify as him? But when I am with him and when he is in me, then when I declare, I can testify as he would testify on on the earth. Prophecy is for what? Building people up, encouraging people, and comforting people. Exhortation. Comforting. Why? Because it's free and it's Jesus. It goes back to the reality of evangelism, good news gospel. Hey, follow me, bro. 
There's, some, there's a better life. Me and Jesus, we met on a job site. Welcome back, Jesus. Love seeing you, bro. He doesn't like when I put him on the spot, but I don't care. We met on a job site three years ago. He walks out of his van, and the Lord's like, him. I picked him. He's called. He's anointed. He's, he has a huge purpose in my life. And I was overcome in that moment. Walked up to him. Didn't know anything about him. I said, you know the Lord has marked you for his calling, right? Not just, I didn't know his name was Jesus at the moment. And he's like, he's like, oh yeah, Mr. Justin, a lot of people tell me that. I said, yeah, I bet they do. In two and a half years, we just kept talking. And every time I'd see him, it wasn't, hey, let me tell you about all the good things. I was like, did you give your life to Jesus yet? You going to walk with him? No, Mr. Justin, what about Islam? You know, and we'd, we'd have these conversations. Praise God. He wasn't just a sheep that was going to pretend to be something that he wasn't. He kept growing and kept learning, kept going. God kept putting people in his life. He put this lady in his life. He showed me his phone one day. She was blowing him up. Like you talk about scriptures and songs, like his phone. He was just like, and I'm like, praise God. Jesus was just boom, boom, boom. One day he comes to a job. I said, hey, Seuss, you walking with Jesus yet? He said, yeah, Mr. Justin, I'm walking with Jesus. We just kept having a relationship, right? Like God will do it. And so... When we understand prophecy is actually about bringing people encouragement, exhortation, which can be discipline, and comfort. Like all those three things are going to come. Why? It's as Christ testifying. Behold, I have plans for you. Plans that are, that are a hope, that are future. Things that I've dreamed for you. Prepared good works in advance for you. You can look at a stranger at your table as a restaurant, take them by the hand and just say, hey, there are good things prepared for you. They've been prepared in advance and they're just waiting for you to encounter. What? You're forgiven. What? What? I just want you to know you're forgiven. You know, if you want to know more, just come with me. Follow me. Let's be in touch. Whatever it is you want to, whatever it is. You get it? Like, it's not like, here's the 17 reasons that you're going to go to hell and here's the 35 reasons that Jesus got you out of it. But by the time you're done talking, they're like, well, this person shut up. I have a lot of work to do. I mean, it's simple. Christ was, he's so simple. So if the spirit of prophecy is the testifying of Yeshua, I never have to wonder if I'm on or off. Because I'm not looking for some fortune teller. But what the prophets failed to learn in the old covenant was you've been given a gift to know him. And through the gift of knowing him, you will help others know him. And they lost sight of it and they began to use the gift they were given for power and authority and rule. And the only way to keep power and authority and rule is to tell people what they want to hear. Tell people what they want to hear. You just tell people what they want to hear. I don't know if you guys watch the election cycle. That's kind of what people are doing. Let me just tell you what you want to hear. Oh, you want to be gay people can do whatever they want. Yeah, amen. Oh, you know, you, transgender, oh, where, wherever, however, doesn't matter. That's okay. Yeah, transgender. Oh, oh, illegal immigrants. Well, yeah, I like illegal immigrants too. Let's do that, right? Like, whatever you want to hear, I just, just vote or vice versa. Whatever you want to hear, just vote. The prophets did the same thing in the old covenant. And God said, he said it in Jeremiah 23. He's like, they haven't stood in my counsel. You know what that means? They didn't come talk to me. 
Nobody's sitting with me. They're running their mouth, telling everybody they're sitting with me. They're telling everybody all this stuff. And they're, they're sounding really good because, hey, everybody wants peace, right? It's like the guy is living in a homosexual relationship and then comes to the prophet. And he's like, hey, prophet, what's going on? And he says, it is well with you. Continue on, my son. No, it's not well with you. What you're doing is destroying you. It's preventing you from knowing the one who you can know. And I need to tell you the truth. You keep on this path, you're going to only live under destruction. But there's an opportunity to come out from under the destruction and live in life. In liberty. I have a hope for you. It's much greater than what you're experiencing. Now they have a choice. Be offended or believe. It's not on me. It's on me to speak the truth in love. So watch what happens. When old covenant prophets begin to fail to spend time with the Lord, they prophesy what people want to hear. Why hasn't the prophets known what's going on in 2020? It's not the point of prophecy. The point of prophecy is, do you know him? Do you know him? How could the point of prophecy be to tell you what's coming three days from now when he said, don't worry about tomorrow for it has enough concerns of its own? What is he? Is he like conflicted in himself? Hey, don't worry about what's coming tomorrow. Just believe in me. This is Jesus. I don't, I've read my Bible. That's what he said. He said, don't worry about what's coming tomorrow. Believe in me. Right? Seek first my kingdom, my righteousness. Why? I have overcome the world. You seek me first. You'll come to me. All you who are laboring and heavy laden, I'm going to give you rest. I am going to give you rest. And the prophets run around trying to tell you what's going to happen in three days so that you then what? React to what's happening instead of remaining in who he is. The prophets aren't supposed to know fortune-telling futures. Especially not when the church can't focus on Jesus. How unmerciful would it be for Jesus to be like, well, the church is super distracted, doesn't know that I'm preeminent, that I'm the center of all things. But guess what? I'll flood the church with a bunch of prophets and get them really concerned with the times. Because now that I've got them all distracted with the times and they're all running around trying to figure that out, I guess I'll just try to figure out how I fit in the equation. What? The prophets are supposed to get alone with the Lord and spend time to know Him. That their eyes begin to look like His eyes and their mouth begins to sound like their mouth. Because He's testifying through them of who He really is. And when that begins to happen, people get a hunger. And they're like, I want to know Him like that. I want to know Him like that. I don't know Him like that. I want to know Him like that. I want to know you. And somebody's sitting there saying, there's hope because you can know me. You can know who I am today. Because then whatever happens in three days doesn't move you. Because you believe in Him. What happens in six months? You believe. Guess what starts to happen? Just look at the life of the Apostle Paul. He gets born again. He gets transformed. He goes 14 years in a wilderness season. Comes back into Jerusalem. Man has been with Jesus. He has been with Jesus. Jesus, he told stories about being with Jesus, had to get let down out by a bed sheets out of a house because they wanted to kill him. He'd been with Jesus so much, he didn't care where he was. He was just going to testify. They're like, we're going to kill you. And they're like, oh, well, quick, let him out the house. He's got things to do. So Paul's been with Jesus. He gets it, right? 
He gets with Jesus. He believes in Jesus. He comes back and he starts to go around. What's, he, what's one of the first things that he encounters? He encounters people who aren't spending that kind of time with Jesus. Who then are reverting to law as Barnabas. And those guys are like, well, we can't eat with them. They're Gentiles. He shows up and he's like, what are you doing? Eat with them. Bear with the fa- failings of the weak. Right? Do all things as unto Christ. He starts this. All the, all the letters to the churches. What are they, where are they born from? Are they born because Paul's a good Christian? No. They're born out of the Holy Ghost of the living God who lives inside Paul and who's manifesting through him. The letters to the church are not Paul's writings. They're the testimony of Jesus Christ. They're prophetic to the church. It's Jesus prophesying through Paul. So how then does Paul encounter in the book of Acts a, a man named Agabus? Agabus is a prophet of the Lord in the New Covenant, in the book of Acts. And what does he say? Hey, there's going to be a famine in the land. And they're like, hey, we're on move. Let's prepare. And they begin to set aside food and they begin to set aside stuff. But is their focus the famine? No. And the proof? It's not in the scriptures anymore. There's not a dissertation about how to deal with the famine. There was prophet, there's a famine. We'll take care of it. Going on, Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. He's the almighty, the image of the invisible God. We honor him. We love him. And that's who we focus on. That's how it works. So then fast forward, Paul's life. He encounters the same prophet. And what's he do? He binds his own hands with a belt, binds his feet. And he says, thus saith the Lord, so it shall be with the man who goes up to Jerusalem. And here's the apostle Paul watching the dude who's hogtied himself saying, this is the future that, that, that is in store for the man who chooses to go to Jerusalem. Paul wasn't like, oh no, what do I do? Oh, imprisonment, bondage. Guys, let's have a prayer meeting, please. Let's fast. We need to know like God showing us some things, right? The prophet has spoken. What do we... <laughs> Set his face like Flint and said, so be it. That's where I'm going. God's called me there and I'll finish the work he's called me to. Unmoved. He's not moved. He's not like <gasps> bondage, imprisonment. He's already looked at the guys and he's like, hey, by the way, I know that I'm going to die for Jesus. It's what we do. You get what I'm saying? Why could Paul be encountered by a prophet who knew his future? Because his heart was set on the Lord. So the mercy of God will still come to us and still give us explanation of where we're headed. Jesus said it, right? You guys can see the sign in the night season, but you don't know the times. So he wants us to be aware of the times. The problem is when you have prophets who have used prophetic things as works, you don't have a kingdom people who know Jesus. And you can't tell a kingdom people who don't know him a bunch of turmoil. Because all they'll be focused on is turmoil. Do you guys follow what I'm saying? Does it make more sense why 2020 wasn't proclaimed across the airwaves of the prophetic movement? God's over this running your mouth stuff when you haven't sat with him to know him. Because if you're going to run your mouth, do you know what it's going to be about? Getting people in line with knowing him. Once this thing gets settled, there will be other opportunity for, hey, pay attention. This thing's here coming. But he knows then when he tells it to me, it's like, for instance, is it merciful for God to give me a million dollars when I'm money hungry? Right? Like, God, I'll tithe. 
I'll tithe. The day you give me a million bucks, I will tithe. Like, oh, you ain't never seen tithing before. I know I've never tithed. I know. But hey, you give me a million. Oh, this thing is on. Right? That's how most people treat it. And then, and you know what happens? The million doesn't come. They're like, God doesn't give me a million. I'm never going to tithe. Now it's his fault that they didn't have faith. And now they're bitter and angry and frustrated. Jesus, <laughs> he's so kind. Because he's merciful in a way that mercy says, you're not able to handle a million dollars. How about you tithe out of a hundred that you got this week? Because when you show that you're faithful in the little things, all of a sudden there will be more and more and more. And he said to whom much, he who has much, more is going to be given. So here, here's what I want to say because of what everybody shared. Dave shared and Earl shared talking about the works. We have to, as people, as individuals, know him first and foremost. There's no other success in the kingdom of God other than knowing Jesus. The only way you know someone is to be with them. That doesn't mean you have to dedicate this specific little place. I mean, in your conscious understanding of every day, you're just with him. Like Earl said, he can make sandwiches because he's redeemed. He can weld because he's redeemed, right? You can sweep because you're redeemed. You're, you're with him in this, in this life. So as you're with him in this life, it will begin to obliterate works because what happened with the prophetic movement, with prophets, quote unquote, is it became about appearance. If I say a word, then people are going to look at me as a prophet. And they needed to maintain that appearance. And that can be true of the pastor, the evangelist, it can be true of of just anyone in the entire kingdom. If you're in the equation, right, then you're going to be concerned of the outcome. Humility is when you're no longer in the equation. Humility is the ability to say, I'm not in this equation. How my wife treats me, it's not about me. We hear that. It's not about me. No, no. When it's really not about me, I'm not even going to be in the equation. So I can respond as Jesus would respond. When Dave was in the scenario of his mind, he was able to get himself out of the equation. I'm not even in the situation. I don't have to be in the situation. I can just be right here with with the Lord. So removing ourselves from the equation gives us the understanding that the oneness we have with Jesus will let us live relationally where we don't feel the need to use Christian things for appearance. And here's where I see it the most. Even in this room and among the kingdom family I walk with, many people present themselves a long ways away from who they really are. If I'm presenting myself to you, here in this meeting, as a man who walks in grace and believes and loves and going to do these things, and then I go to work and Chris sees me cussing people out and being stingy and being rude and being mean, that proves, that proves that I'm filled up with religion. So to be a home, to be in a home, you have to be who you are. 
Husband and wives know each other. Right? Know the weakness, know the strength. We know, we understand. So I, I want to continue to encourage us as a faith family to avoid appearances. You're not here to present yourself something that you're not. It's far better if you to come in here. Dave, you're an example of this this morning. You came in here and you got transparent. You're like, hey, all these things. There's no question. If anybody needs testifying, I know him. I've seen him. I spend time with him all the time. He is who you see in this room. My wife, I can tell you, she is who you see in this room. Chris, he is who you see in this room. Barb's, the people I've spent time with, who you are is who, who, who we're supposed to be, right? And religion will get its hand into a family, a home, and start to make people hide behind their masks. What they'll begin to do is use Christian things to keep the hide on. Because you have to present something. So they may try to prophesy. They may try to perform miracles. They may try to, right? What's the Lord want? Does he want me to prophesy and perform miracles more than he wants me just to know him? It's knowing him. Stephanie, what you did this morning is the example of everything that God has been stirring in my heart. Like the faith that you have, the ability to stand up in front of a bunch of strangers and be who you are is the key to your freedom. Right? It's not a formula. It's just that you're willing to say, it's broken. Right? And God's just going to continue to heal. He's going to continue to bring and continue to put that, that salve on those, on those places. And so, vulnerability and transparency will always reveal brokenness. Because I've never met a human who's not broken. So if we're in this room and we all present to each other some facade, there won't be a lot of healing going on. Right? And this is the room for healing. That's <laughs> what Jesus said. I want to bring healing. So the couple things, takeaways. The Lord desires a broken and a contrite spirit. He desires honesty. Just flat honesty. Right? There's going to be great healing through that. Don't get caught up in worrying about what tomorrow holds. With the election, with any of the stuff that's out here floating around, the COVID, all that stuff. When the Lord needs you to be paying attention to what's coming, He'll draw you to that place through Himself. He won't put you there and tell you to come through Him to get there. He'll draw you to where He needs you to be through Him. So getting to know Him, getting to spend time with Him. When you are moved by humanity, and you will be and I will be, instantly recognize, I can adjust. Right? Not, she shouldn't have said that, he shouldn't have said that, they shouldn't have, we need to fix it. Uh, no, no, no. All, all that needs to happen in that moment, because I will, I'll get emotionally stirred, and I just have to, re- whoa, hold on. I, I can adjust. I can adjust, right? Because before Christ, I couldn't. I was a slave to sin. Like, you front me, I'm fronting you. We're fighting. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus comes and saves me. and I no longer have to do that. I get a choice, right, to respond. So I just want you guys to be really encouraged that I felt like, especially as the year was coming to an end, I kept hearing that, like, where are the prophets? Why aren't the prophets? And the Lord just brought me back and said, 
They never were supposed to be fortune tellers. They were always supposed to be people who led me to know, led people to know me. The other prophetic thing I'm going to say, I think that's pretty awesome. I think people are going to begin moving to this region in Tennessee in mass out of the cities. Right. Even more so. And you know what's going to happen? Gospel explosion. Fill the land. I don't care. Bring them. Right. I remember a missionary in Israel. He was like, God, lead me to the Jordanian people. I really want the Jordanian people. I want to, I want to see the Jordanian people born again. He lived in Israel. All of a sudden, there was a, a law that went into place where 50,000 Jordanians were getting resettlement in Israel. And he was like, I don't want these Jordanians living in Israel, God. Why are you sending these Arab people? Like you're sending Islamists right into my neighborhood. I don't want these Islamists. And the Lord was like, I thought you said you wanted the Jordanian people. He was like, I repent, Lord. Bring the Jordanian people. <laughs> yeah, got to do it. 